Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of Added Time, a Games and Grouch studio podcast with me, your host, Steve Watkins. And I've had a busy, busy day. I've had a team day with work and I've had to present the same quiz over and over uh, eight times I did it. So yeah. And now I'm going to talk to you guys as well. So it's been a day of talking. Lots of water has been drank. Lots of trips to the toilet. You didn't need to know that. But I'm just telling you how it is. So, yeah, busy day. But I want to do the podcast because I enjoy it. And something different. We are now very much into this World Cup. The last Group game is being played of the first round of fixtures. So by the time that the Brazil-Serbia game is finished, every team will have played one game. And then we go again tomorrow and England play again. Lovely stuff. Now, before I get into all things World Cup, uh, there is some obviously some stuff to talk about in terms of club football and in particular... Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo. So I was hoping to get Sonny on this week's podcast, but he's a little bit busy, so I thought he would be uh, a good one to get his opinion on on what's happened. I mean, I know through messaging him what his opinion is of Ronaldo. Some of it cannot be repeated on this podcast. Um, And I know what his thoughts are about the Glazers. So let's quickly cover that. For those of you that don't know, if you have been living under a rock or you don't, overly follow football but for some reason you listen to me talk about football the news broke I believe it was on Tuesday now this week has been a bit of a blur but uh, on Tuesday it was announced that Ronaldo and United had parted ways some places are reporting it as Ronaldo has been sacked but effectively that's it it's over the saga is over Ronaldo is now a free agent and he can go wherever he likes, or whoever wants him. This was bound to happen. We knew that it was going to happen, and, you know, none of it it surprised. You know, he knew knew exactly what he was doing with that interview. So following that interview, that sensational interview with Piers Morgan, where obviously he criticised anyone and everyone, some of it I understood the criticism, some of it I just thought was a man trying everything he could to to almost get the sack, which he which has now happened. So he's now a free agent. You know that I keep seeing people saying, "Oh, well, he's he's given up sixteen million in wages. I'm sure he'll live. I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine." Uh, will Will Cristiano? There have been two or three clubs that have been linked with him. Now, I, I personally feel that he's already got a deal done. Hence why he's done, he, he has done what he's done. Because I don't think someone of Ronaldo's um, character would want to finish at this World Cup, however far Portugal go, and then he sits there for two or, potentially two or three weeks uh, waiting for a club. I think that something is already done. Now, initially it came out that 
Chelsea are going to reignite their interest. In the summer, there was a lot of talk about Ronaldo going to Chelsea. But apparently Thomas Tuchel just did not want to entertain the idea. Tuchel obviously isn't in charge anymore. And the owner of Chelsea sees the signing of Ronaldo as something that will be absolutely massive, especially commercially, because whatever you think of Ronaldo, in terms of whether you still believe he is you know, at the, at the peak of his powers or not, he will still sell you so many shirts. You know, the guy has passed 500 million followers on Instagram this week. That alone just tells you the marketability of this guy. So he's been linked with Chelsea. He's been linked with a Saudi Arabian club, Al-Hilal. I imagine they will offer him a stupid, stupid amount of money. And he has also been linked with Newcastle United. I can't see that happening. Me personally, I don't see him going anywhere like the MLS. I don't think his ego will allow him to do that. I think he wants to be at a Champions League club. Just so that he can extend that record that he's got. The goal scoring record of the most goals in the Champions League. So, I mean, your options really are probably only Chelsea right now. Obviously, Newcastle aren't in the Champions League. We know that. And the Saudi Arabian team are clearly not in the Champions League. Uh, or they're not in the European Champions League anyway. So, it could potentially be Chelsea or, or nothing for for Ronaldo. But I believe this is the best, this is the best for everyone. And I currently don't know a single United fan that is on you know, on Ronaldo's side. I think his legacy is completely and utterly tarnished. Uh, there will be one or two that will say, well, you know, we've got to remember what he did the first time round. You know, it's hard for me to say because it's not the team that I support. Um, I appreciate Ronaldo in terms of his ability, in terms of his... Uh, commitment to be one of, if not the best player ever, um, maximising his his talent, doing everything he could to make sure that he is still playing at the top level at the age he is. I've said it before, he's the same age as me. And it's sickening, really, to be honest. So I, had, I, I, I appreciate him for that. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of his character uh, or his attitude or his ego or anything like that. But that's just me. I, I don't gravitate uh, towards those people, type of people generally. Obviously, I don't know the guy personally. Personally, he could be the loveliest guy ever. But I don't know him and I have to go on what I see. So we'll wait and see what happens with Ronaldo. For now, he is playing for Portugal at the World Cup. Uh, at the time of recording, uh, I'm currently recording during the Brazil-Serbia game. Uh, I've got it on. I'm kind of keeping a, an eye on that whilst I'm recording. Uh, Ronaldo has scored at this World Cup. He scored a penalty. Uh, I didn't think it was a penalty personally. He is now the first player ever to score at five World Cups. So, you know, the records keep tumbling in his favour. Um, so, look, he's still he's still got something to offer somewhere. We'll see where he goes. 
The other news coming out of Manchester in terms of United is that the Glazers finally look like they are going to sell or at least give up a huge stake in the club. This is music to the ears of, of United fans. 17 years these guys have been in charge and we know all the criticism around it. You know, they were off of the Super League. They've taken a lot of money out of the club. There's not been a lot of investment off the pitch in terms of stadium and the training ground, something that Ronaldo did actually mention in the interview. Uh, they have put their hand in their pocket when it comes to players. They've spent the best part of a billion in that time on players, uh, a similar sort of spending spree to to Man City. But obviously the, the, the big difference there is that post-Ferguson, City have gone from strength to strength and United have, whilst they have won things, they haven't been as uh, prolific as they were in previous years. But I always say football is cyclical and... You know, you get a club like Liverpool go 30 years without the Premier League or the Division 1, whatever you want to call it. It does happen. And now Liverpool are one of the top two teams again in, in the country. So, either way, this is, going to be, this is going to be music to the ears of United fans. And again, I, you know, this is why I was, I was kind of hoping I could, I could speak to Sonny about this. Because United fans have obviously, over the years, they have made comments about Man City being, you know, backed with oil money. Uh, you've, we've recently had Jurgen Klopp come out and say that it's not right that we have clubs like Liverpool, Man City, uh, sorry, not Liverpool, uh, Man City, Newcastle and PSG that are effectively state-owned. They're, they're, they're effectively bankrolled by an entire country. Now, what I'd be interested to know is would United fans be bothered if they were in that situation if a Middle Eastern um, country that is rich and but has a lot of issues in other areas would they be too bothered about that as long as it meant success you know I, I don't I can't imagine that there are many Man City fans out there that are bothered where the money comes from same with Newcastle I mean granted the the one Newcastle fan that I know is very anti uh, the Saudi ownership. Um, but he's a, he's a long-time Newcastle United fan. And uh, he's, he's very much against it. But I think he is very much in the minority. And uh, I'm pretty sure PSG fans don't care either. So I'd be interested to know, look, after, after all the, the, the digs that United fans have given towards City, calling them an oil club and all of this sort of thing, would they would they be bothered if it happened to their club as well? The same company that dealt with the Chelsea ownership uh, takeover, sorry, is is going to be looking at this or or um, or helping with this sale of United. So they're already going to have a huge portfolio of interested parties. Uh, I believe there's quite a lot of American interest, which may make some United fans nervous because obviously the Glazers are are American as well but you know you can't you know no two owners are necessarily the same but this is going to be this is going to be great news for United fans I've seen uh, that the club 
I've, I've seen various different reports saying that the club is worth anywhere in bet- between four, six or eight billion pound. So someone's going to have to have very deep pockets uh, to buy the club. They're going to have to have very deep pockets to improve Old Trafford because it just is not the stadium it once was. And if you go on what Ronaldo is saying, it sounds like someone's going to have to have some very deep pockets to also invest in the training ground and everything that goes on there. So, again, we will wait and see what happens. Uh, You know, club football has very much taken a back burner because we are in the middle of this World Cup. So... That's the only real sort of club news that is that has happened during this time. Everything has been so World Cup focused and so World Cup centric. Uh, I said last week that uh, with well Sam was on the podcast and we both said that we were really kind of struggling to get excited for it. Um, now it still feels weird to me that we've got a winter World Cup, but by the time that England kicked off on Monday, I was. I was excited. I mean, nowhere near the sort of excitement levels that I was in previous tournaments or, or even or even uh, last summer, summer 21, when we had the Euros. But it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's football. And if you can look past where the tournament's being held and if you can look past everything that is going on and all the noise around it. I'm not saying ignore it because it is important that these things are highlighted and that these things are talked about. But if you can look past that, it's it's football and um, you know, the World Cup has always been has, has been said it's the great the greatest show on earth. So you know, so far it's been it's been decent. There's been a couple of um a couple of boring games from what I've seen. There's been some really interesting games and there's been some shocks as well. Some some absolute shocks. So I'll go through... I won't go through all the results uh, and everything. Um, but obviously before I, I, I go through that, look, I know that, like I've said, there's been a lot of controversy around this. I don't feel like I am qualified enough to give... A strong opinion and look you know I'm not I'm not a massive voice in all of this and I don't agree with a lot of the things that are, are, are happening but it's been said and just know that that most of what has been said is the way and, 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 the, and what most people are thinking is how I feel a corrupt World Cup that was bought with backhand briberies in a country where being gay is punishable by seven by, by being put in prison for seven years, being moved to the winter, and then even even as even as recent as you know three months ago or six months ago, we had the opening game was moved to a different day, and then on the eve of the World Cup. Uh, alcohol sale of alcohol uh, alcohol being sold at the stadium was was stopped as well uh, which look for me personally I don't drink I don't I've not had a drink for a couple of years uh, just a personal choice um, that wouldn't necessarily be a biggie for me but a lot of people like to enjoy a beer or whatever 
while they're at the football. And when you're being told that, yeah, that's that's going to be fine, you're going to be able to have a drink uh, at the grounds, and that gets taken away. So, yeah, uh, we've we've all seen the stories about rainbow hats being taken away and stuff like that. Look, I've well, I I, I want to move on for that from that. I don't I don't want to be talking about that for the next four weeks, if I'm being honest, unless something really really horrific happens, and I really hope it doesn't. The eyes of the world are on Qatar at the minute, and um, let's hope that that them having this World Cup has a lasting effect on their country and that the way that they they treat people. So, I've said I wasn't qualified enough, and I wasn't going to give my opinion, but I feel like I have. <laughs> so, there we go. Let's move on. Let's talk about football. Let's not talk about all that other stuff. Um, so, the opening game was Qatar versus Ecuador. Thought Qatar were absolutely terrible. Um, within minutes, we had a really, really dodgy uh, VAR decision. Uh, we've got this semi-automated VAR going on, so that makes things a little bit more interesting, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, but yeah, Ecuador ran out two 0 winners of that, and and I can't see Qatar really getting much from the rest of their group. They're in a group with Senegal and the Netherlands. Uh, the Netherlands won that one two 0 but they left it late, eighty eight, eighty fourth, and ninety ninth minute. Which I'll I'll come on to that. I'll come on to the uh, the injury time stuff. Let's talk about England. England's first game against Iran, uh, and they won. England won six two. Uh, goals from. Bellingham, two from Saka, one from Sterling, one from Rashford and Jack Grealish at the end. Uh, it's a shame that England conceded a couple of goals. Uh, I think we should have had a penalty in the first half. Uh, one journalist described it as Harry Maguire being belly-to-belly suplexed. So any wrestling fans out there, you'll know what that is. Uh, but then uh, Iran were awarded a penalty for a, very, for, for, for a lesser offence for me, but... By then, England were already 6-1 up. So, good performance by England. I thought Jude Bellingham was absolutely excellent. Saka, my man, he was superb. A lot of people were saying, why is he picking, why is he picked uh, Saka over Foden? I think Foden had a little bit of a knock. He did come on. Uh, for me, I would have played Saka and uh, I'd have had Foden instead of Mount. But Southgate really, really trust Mount. Didn't think he did a great deal in the game, but no one necessarily had had a bad game, you know. And and the the controversial selection, obviously, of, of Maguire into the squad in the first place, I actually thought he did well. He was an absolute menace from corners. Could have, could have, should have won as a penalty. Uh, it was it was his header effectively that set up Saka's first goal. So look, you know, Maguire does what he needs to do for for England and I think I was talking to Sam about this and I said look I don't think Maguire's necessarily had a bad game and what Sam said is something that I completely agree with in that you know England although on obviously the other day you know that it was like the handbrake's been let off um, England do have that protection in front of the back four um, so Maguire doesn't get exposed as much Whereas I think at United, yes, they obviously have those holding midfielders. And especially now where you've got the likes of Casemiro in there. I think United are probably a bit too open. Or they certainly have been. 
uh, for Maguire to succeed in that team. So Maguire will play. Um, there was an injury scare around Harry Kane, but it looks like he is fit to play the game tomorrow against the USA. Me personally, I would I would rest him. You know, he 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 played well the other day, but he didn't score. We have enough players in this squad that can score goals. We we don't we're not one of those nations that solely relies on Harry Kane to get us goals. We've got goals all over that pitch, and and that proved that the other day. Um, Wales played their first. World Cup game for 64 years um, the other night against the USA. First half, Wales were very poor. I thought tactically the manager got it completely wrong. Made a change in the second half, which enabled Gareth Bale to get into the game a bit more. Wales looked a lot more dangerous. And the game finished 1-1. Gareth Bale with a penalty, uh, getting a point for for Wales. Uh, Timothy Weyer, son of George Weyer scored for the USA um I mean on a personal note I, I was I was rooting for Wales um both of my granddads uh, were Welsh um I've lost both of them in the last few years uh, one of them this year and they both love their football um and they they were 20 and 21 the last time Wales were in a World Cup. Um, so I was supporting Wales the other night for them. And uh, I hope wherever they are that they, that they enjoyed it. Uh, because I think second half Wales did themselves uh, proud. I mean, I, I I hope we I hope we batter them in the last game. <laughs> Sorry, granddads. Um, I hope we batter them, uh, but you know they 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 did well. Um, but I, from a, from an England fan's point of view, I didn't see too much there to worry me. Famous last words. We obviously play the United States tomorrow night, and um, the USA have got a young, energetic team. But I do think that England, England should just about possess enough quality. To see us through, um, I'll flick through the rest. Uh, but it would be wrong of me not to talk about the shock in Group C. I think this is the biggest shock in World Cup history, especially for as long as I've been watching football. Argentina one, Saudi Arabia two. Unbelievable! No one would have given these given Saudi Arabia a chance. Uh, Messi with the penalty for for Argentina. Argentina had three, maybe four goals disallowed for for offsides. Couple of them really marginal, but this is the semi semi uh, automatic or whatever you want to semi automatic. It sounds like a gun. Um, this semi VAR offside thing that they've got going on. But you know what? Credit credit to Saudi Arabia. Um, a couple of nil nils as well. Uh, I'm just sorry. Just going back on back to Argentina. Um, look. Argentina are one of the favourites and there are a lot of people out there that, uh, myself included, that, you know, if I've said if England don't win it, I would love to see Argentina win it to see Messi win a World Cup. Um, Spain lost their opening game in 2010 to Switzerland. 
and they went on to win the tournament. So look, it's it's the saying goes, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Giggity. Um, <laughs> so look, I, I don't think Argentina should be worried too much. I'm sure that they will come back from this. But Mexico won't be an easy game, and neither will Poland, but I'm sure Argentina will come through. There's a conspiracy theory going around that they lost the game on purpose so that they come second, because I think if they come second, they could potentially get an easier route to the final. I'm not sure about that. I don't think teams do that sort of nonsense, especially at this level. Uh, a couple of nil-nils uh, as well. Another, the, the other game in Group C was nil-nil. Uh, Denmark-Tunisia was nil-nil. And then France beat Australia 4-1. Um, the first half, uh, I thought Australia played really well. They got the opening goal, but then France turned on the style and Bappe was was absolutely fantastic. Uh, another nil-nil, Morocco-Croatia. Um, we've had the biggest results so far. Spain beating Costa Rica 7-0. Now, to score seven goals, you can only beat what's in front of you. Costa Rica were absolutely awful. And I would back any of the top nations. And when I say top nations, I'm talking Spain, Germany, Belgium, France, Argentina, Brazil, England. I think any of those teams would have put six or seven past Costa Rica. I don't think this necessarily makes Spain like the red-hot favourites or anything like that. They've clearly got some very talented players, some young players, uh, Gavi and Pedri in the middle. Um, they're almost like the new Xavi and Iniesta whether they'll be as good as those two remains to be seen along with the shock of Argentina losing we had Germany losing 2-1 to Japan again Germany took the lead through a penalty but Japan came back to win and then the game again that I watched last night Belgium beat Canada 1-0 but Belgium were awful in my opinion Belgium were absolutely terrible um Canada had something like 20 shots, but unfortunately for them, only three on target and they just did not possess the quality. And then when you do get on target, you've got Thibaut Courtois. One of the, you know, they had a penalty that was saved as well by Courtois. So look, Canada have got some good, again, really energetic, young players, you know, loads of energy, loads of running, but Belgium did get the win. Uh, but I, did, I didn't think Belgium won much cop. I mentioned it earlier. Ronaldo's now scored in five World Cups. Portugal winning 3-2. But that was a little bit... Um, well, it could, it could have quite easily been a draw at the end there. Uh, another 0-0 in Uruguay, South Korea. Didn't see the game. And then Switzerland beat Cameroon 1-0. So it's 0-0 at halftime during Brazil, Serbia. So yeah, that's... Uh, that's that's the the first lot of games gone. Um, France France impressed me a lot. Uh, okay, they played Australia again. As I always say it, you can only beat what's in front of you. Spain were clearly, you know, they they were impressive, but Costa Rica were absolutely awful. And uh, I was really pleased with the England result as well. Obviously, you know, and I, and I and I think we have we have got a wealth of talent. In that in that squad, obviously some question marks defensively, but you know we'll wait and see. I, I from what I've seen so far, you know I don't think we I don't think England necessarily need to fear countries like Belgium uh, or, or or even Spain to be honest. Despite the score, 
France, ugh, they're always going to have a chance with, with Mbappe. I know they've got some players missing. But, you know, defensively, they look fairly solid. Uh, but, yeah, that would be a tough game if that if, if it did work out that England got France in the quarterfinals. One of the big things that people have noticed during this World Cup is the amount of injury time that is being played. So this, the name of this podcast, Added Time, is quite apt, really. So what we've noticed is an obscene amount of, of injury time. So what we've seen so far is an average from what I read earlier we've seen an average of around 12 minutes injury time a game so that's taking all of your games past 100 minutes uh, so the opening game I'm reading this from uh, from The Athletic because uh, they can articulate things far better than me so there was a total of 10 minutes and 18 seconds stoppage time in the opening match of the tournament between Qatar and Ecuador 12 minutes 49 seconds were added to Netherlands 2-0 victory over Senegal with 14 minutes and 34 seconds added to the end of the draw between the United States and Wales. But the length of those games has been dwarfed by England's 6-2 victory over Iran, which ran for an extraordinary 117 minutes and 16 seconds. That's the total game, not just injury time. Jesus, imagine that, 117 minutes injury time. Anyway, um... A lot of that came from the first half where 14 minutes uh, of injury time came about because the Iranian goalkeeper was quite clearly concussed and rather than just taking him off the pitch and bringing a new goalkeeper on within a couple of minutes, uh, he decided he wanted to play on. He played for 20 more seconds and then he went off. So that was a bit of a farce. Uh, but it says here, FIFA will not be especially, will not that FIFA will be especially concerned. They'd expected it with Pierre-Luigi Colina, their referee committee chairman, telling fans to get used to around 100-minute long games. But why? Why are matches exceeding 100 minutes and are they here to stay? And could games at the 2026 World Cup be even longer? The reason that this is happening is because FIFA are determined to extend the length of time the ball is in play for. This keeps the matches entertaining to watch. Football's world governing body has repeatedly insisted they want to add time accurately when play stops for VAR interventions. The treatment of injuries, substitutions, penalties and red cards while Kalina has said he wants to crack down on players' time wasting. The Italian made it clear before the tournament at a media briefing two days before the opening match. He said we should not be surprised to see seven or eight minutes added each half if that is how much time has been squandered. This is nothing new. At the last World Cup in Russia, it became quite normal for the fourth official to show the board with seven, eight, nine minutes on it. So it's got a little table here that shows that actually at the at the um, 2018 World Cup, there's, there's a spattering of six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. Uh, there's a nine minute there as well. So... It does say here that only four of the 16 matches say fewer than five minutes added on, while another four saw more than eight minutes of stoppage time. So this did happen at the last World Cup. Now, this is something that I'd forgotten. 
and that happens uh, a lot with football fans where they think where where um, you know football fans have short memories sometimes. So this this isn't something new. This isn't something that's like oh this is because it's been arranged by Qatar and it's a joke and blah blah blah. It's been going on for a while. It's been going on since the last World Cup at least. Uh, so yeah, it says here that if you ignore England's win, uh, England's win over Iran, which uh, saw two lengthy delays due to players needing concussion checks, the opening uh, games have seen an average of twelve minutes and thirty-three seconds added on. So, did the additional time matter? Raheem Sterling scored at the end of the first half against Iran. Jack Grealish scored at the end and obviously Iran scored as well at the end. Uh, the Dutch obviously have scored a really late injury time goal. So look, I mean, I've seen people sort of complaining about it and saying that this is ridiculous, it's a joke. But actually, you know, when when you look at it, we've had a lot of complaints over the last couple of years, especially in domestic football where teams are time wasting some real real shithouse tactics to to time waste and and even uh short of you know going down pretending to be injured and stuff like that i even see it with leicester you know when leicester get a corner it could be nil nil they could be losing one nil um which usually happens leicester get a corner James Madison won't run to the corner flag unless it's kind of like last minute and we're really pushing for a goal He'll just walk over to the corner flag. Now, maybe that is to conserve a bit of energy or maybe that's just to add a bit of time onto the clock. I I was watching uh, the portugal Ghana game earlier and Ghana got a corner and from the corner being given to the corner being taken, was it took a minute. Now, I'm not proposing that they add everything on but if you think about it, that's that's ten minutes or there there or thereabouts. Because sometimes they do it quicker. Sometimes corners are taken a bit quicker than that. So you can see where it begins to add up. And you know, whilst I have seen people say that this is ridiculous, eight nine minutes. Actually, as a football fan and as a paying football fan as well, I want to watch ninety minutes of football. I don't want to watch seventy minutes of football and twenty minutes of the ball not being in play. But obviously having eight or nine minutes at the end of each half, it doesn't feel like it's very sustainable, really. So there needs to be a a middle ground, really. Um, I hope it does crack down on the time wasting. But, you know, we, we've all... We, it's a difficult one because we've all sat there and watched a Premier League game where there's been... <clears throat> Six substitutions, three goals, a red card and an injury, and then the board goes up for three minutes. And you think, well, hang on, we've had six subs. Even at 30 seconds a sub, you know, that's that's three minutes. Three goals, two, three goals. It takes about, from a goal going in to the kickoff, it takes about 45 seconds to a minute. A couple of them in a game. But you don't see Premier League games unless there has been a massive, massive injury or a load of VAR decisions. You don't see Premier League games usually exceed the five-minute mark in terms of time added on. So there, there has, for me, there has got to be a, a, a middle ground. And one of the things that has been 
muted uh, and and by um, and by Arsene Wenger of all people is that actually a, a concept where a game is sixty minutes long, but every time the ball it goes out of play or the referee blows a whistle, the clock is stopped. So what you would effectively end up with is actually still around a 90-minute game. Well, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I've always I've always kind of been in favour of potentially stopping the clock for certain things. Uh, I know they do it in rugby, and it works well in that as well. Uh, so it says here, there could be... There could and concepts in terms of a better solution... There could, and concepts including 60-minute matches with a stock clock, are growing in popularity. The clear aim of all stakeholders is to keep play moving, and that is at the heart of the argument that might eventually see kick-ins replace throw-ins. The idea pushed by former Arsenal manager and FIFA's head of global football development, Arsene Wenger, will be trialled after IFAB authorised it this year. Throw-ins are regarded as one of the greatest means of slowing down play. The target is to make the game more spectacular and quicker and maybe with throw-ins you could play with your feet but in a limit of five seconds for example things like that is what Wenger said. Football has changed before with the aim of improving the spectacle like bringing in the back pass rule to close off one area of time wasted in 1992. Whether the answer is a stop clock or kick-ins remains to be seen. Kalina accepts alterations are still unclear but there is a collective will to see more football and shorter interruptions, and I, I would be, I, I would be all for that. I must, I must, uh, I must admit. Um, not sure about sixty-minute games. Not sure about kick-ins instead of throw-ins. I think, you know, there are certain things that you can tinker with when it comes to football. You know, I know that you you get your purists out there that say, oh, game's gone and all that sort of stuff. You know, football's got you've got to evolve. You know, the the, the back pass rule. I I was, I, I was very young when the uh, the back pass rule came in, so it's not something that I remember in terms of controversy or anything like that. But I could imagine that people would have been saying that's a load of rubbish, what a load of crap. Now we just know that that is part of the rule. And actually, if you watch an old game where the back pass rule is in, it's really infuriating to watch. So, football evolves, football changes, but I don't know if having seven or eight minutes added on each half is the way forward. Um, and, and, you know, people have made the point that, you know, you start doing this in the Premier League, you know, the time of night that some of these games are going to finish, you know, the train's still going to be running and things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot to consider. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, like I say, I've got the Brazil-Serbia game on now and there was only one minute added time. So it's a little bit inconsistent as well during this tournament, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, let's have a quick look uh, at the next sort of lot of fixtures and see what sort of see what sort of tickles our fancy a little bit there. Uh, obviously, England-USA. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going out tomorrow night, meeting up with, with Sonny and uh, Westy, who's also been on the podcast, and a couple of other friends as well. That should be good. 
a win and England are through, which would be great. Argentina, Mexico, I've already said that looks like that's that's a really important game now for Argentina. France, Denmark, I think that'd be a good game as well. Spain, Germany, obviously with Germany losing, that's now that's now a huge, huge game for the Germans. Um Portugal, Uruguay, again another another interesting one. So um some good games coming up. Uh, it's a shame that I'm at work for, for most of them. Um, I'll be able to see Argentina, Mexico. I'll be able to catch most of France, Denmark as well. And thankfully, because it's on a Sunday, I'll be able to, I'll also be able to watch um, Spain, Germany. So that's one that uh, that's one that I do want to watch very much so. So that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I imagine that the the um, episodes will be a little bit shorter. Obviously, I talked about Ronaldo and United at the very start of the episode, but I, you know, I don't see the things going on this long. Uh, while the World Cup's on, because I'll just be skimming through the results and talking about any flashpoints or anything like that. So, um, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check out uh, everything else that Games and Graps Studios has to offer. Go follow Sunny on Twitter at Sunny G, and don't forget to listen to the pod, the podcast. Yes, the podcast that is called the Clubhouse. There we go. I got my words out eventually, and don't forget to check out Finn Steele, who is streaming over on Twitch, Twitch.tv forward slash the Finn Steele. My name's Steve. This has been episode nineteen of Added Time. Stay safe, stay well, and I will see you all next time. Goodbye.